Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. In this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's an archived interview I had the pleasure of talking with Josh Grunowitz, who is the founder of Odd Duck, and he is a disruptive storyteller. That sounds very salacious, but actually it is something we all need. As a Catalyst, we have a story. Everybody has a story. And when you have the power to uncover your disruptive storytelling capabilities, you are unstoppable. So listen in on this wonderful interview I had with Josh and get inspired to become your own catalyst. Thank you, uh, Mrs. Zoom lady. So let me share the Facebook. <laughs> we'll get this going. And how do I pronounce your last name, Josh? Sure. It's Grenowitz. Grenowitz. Oh, that's so much easier than it sounds. Yeah. Or if you're feeling really saucy, it's Grinevish, but my entire family pronounces it wrong and we're all cool with that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm having it. There we go. Waiting for the okay that we are going live. Just all right. Second buckle up all hands and feet in the car at all times. Um, <laughs> I never did work at Six Flags Great America. I always wanted to. It's yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So now we are live in the Creative Medical Professionals group. And today I'm so excited to have Josh Grenwitz. Did I say that right? Perfect. Totally on point. Enough. Okay. (laughs) He is the founder of Odd Duck. And so I'm going to read. He's got a very impressive story. And ironically, that's what we're here to talk about today is stories. And if you're just tuning in, this is the Creative Medical Professionals Group, and my mini classes here are interviewing the top minds in how they use innovative ways to further the delivery of medical care. And yes, it has to do with things like time management, public speaking, storytelling. And Josh is the founder and chief narrative strategist of Odd Duck. And it's a storytelling for social change consultancy. And he's applied this craft to writing, spoken word, filmmaking, comic books, and other medium. And how we met is that we are both geeking out about neurological flow state in the Flow Research Collective. And this is captivating people all across the world because it truly is science meets art. And he uses this career in also in nonprofit ways. He's began as a crisis counselor and later using this in external relations. Now he's really here because selfishly, I just love talking to him because I love talking about story. I feel like this anchors our human condition in the same way that we all can relate. We all have a story inside us. And as we're having medical professionals exit their employed position to maybe have their own private practice, story is huge for them. People love to know why, what made you come to this place? And what would you start off with by saying, how hard is it to have your own story? Do you think vulnerability is an asset or do you think vulnerability is really something that we have to work at every day? Uh, So vulnerability is definitely something you have to work at. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, um, a built up muscle over time. Uh, and, and there is a thing of, you know, 
TMI. So you have to find the right balance of what story you're sharing. And I think one of the things that you and I kind of nerded out about, you know, big time when we first connected um, was the fact that like you aren't necessarily telling your story as yourself, but you're telling your story with you as a protagonist, but also the avatar for your audience. So you literally want your audience and the audience that you're trying to engage to walk through your experiences with you so they can come to some of the same life-changing discoveries that you've come to. Yes. Um, so, and I, I also wanted to say, before, you know, we, we dived in hard, but I, I just wanted to say, I am so grateful um, that uh, I get to talk to and and open up to you and to I mean obviously I would just geek out with you one-on-one right we're just basically recording a conversation exactly (laughs) exactly and we've had similar conversations but I also I want to like express my gratitude for um uh, just your your audience and sharing your audience with me and you know, bringing them to the table. I'm very excited. So thank you. Well, I want to, I want to hear you talk about disruptive storytelling. I love that phrase. When I first heard you say that, I'm like, Ooh, that is the best little nugget right there being a story, you know, a disruptive story. So tell me more about what that is. Well, I think it relates completely to the, the opening question that you asked. Um, And so, you know, you in in particular have a very disruptive story, but right now um, I, I, well, I, I think let me let me take a, a step back and talk a little bit about um, what I feel are sort of units of narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I like to talk of of narrative as an, an ecosystem, mm-hmm. and when we talk about culture with a capital C, you know, we have sort of these meta narratives that um, are overarching so much of our understanding and nowhere is it more prominent are some of the meta narratives and some of the meta narratives that we've gotten wrong more prominent than in health and medicine right now. Bingo. Right? Yeah. Uh, And so there's so many assumptions that are now being challenged or really literally being overwhelmed. A few days ago, I attended a panel discussion where the CDC was like, how do we break up this bureaucracy and start thinking more innovatively? And they were having these same discussions. And that's, you know, uh, bureaucracy with a capital B in the same way, right? So so the first thing I'd say, you know, meta-narratives, um, then you have your narratives. A narrative is, you know, kind of everything that makes up sort of these overarching meta narratives. Right. Um, again, with health. So there's individual like narratives. You know, you, 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 one of the things that I've heard you talk about and 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 push forward, and this is getting to your particular disruptive story, is that it's much broader than conventional traditional medicine. Right. Health right. is is integrative. It's functional. It has all of these components, and we need to start thinking about you know, prevention mm-hmm. as well as treatment. So mm-hmm. it's it's not just sick care, it's also health care. And how do we get there? And we get there mm-hmm. through, and, and, and a, lot, a large part of that is helping kind of push the narrative, is helping kind of transform and open up to other possibilities. Um, below uh, uh, narrative is story, and that's where the disruptive story is. So each of us as individual agents, each of our organizations, our individual practices, um, or uh, you know, organizations like the CDC have their own stories, which contribute to those over- overarching narratives, and then contribute and influence those meta narratives. Oh, I love and then this. below or, or closer to that, closer in the kernel is you know your anecdote. Um, Jim Grant, who ran UNICEF for years in the '80s and '90s, he's, he's uh, credited as being sort of like the the child immunization revolution, which obviously resonates right now um, as we're going through our own immunization crisis. 
Um, but Jim Grant is, is said to be the, the master of strategic anecdote. He was the master of strategic anecdote. He would have an anecdote for any occasion. You were a funder, you were a donor, you were a, a, a warlord in Africa who was blocking you know, the deployment of UNICEF to wow. give these uh, uh, you know, um, immunizations. He would be able to kind of pull out and dust off a, a, a folksy, whimsical anecdote that would somehow help shift your thinking. So anecdote, strategic anecdote, and then a mini story. And a mini story is just sort of those, you know, one-off things that we mm-hmm. sometimes don't think of as stories. But, you know, I, I like to say, you know, like, like they're, the, they're the things that get people to lean in, to want to mm-hmm. ask more questions and to be intrigued. And the thing is, Laura, that all of these that we just talked about can be strategic. You can have a a, a strategy that influences and connects all of these to kind of move things forward. That's what I love is you're really a magician, honestly. Ah. (laughs) You really are a magician because, see, people don't realize that, yes, we're scientists, we're doctors, we're supposed to be very logical and clinical and we have protocols and stuff. But the magic of human connection is story, is, is, is being that connecting vulnerability of, hey, I have a story and it resonates with you. Right. And even, even if you don't say that, you know, they've done studies with functional MRIs that the minute a keynote speaker says on stage, let me tell you a story, all the brainwaves sync up, all of them sync up because we relax. We're just like, Oh, okay. We're not in the memorize mode. We're in the relax and listen to a story mode. And guess what? That's the best way to retain knowledge and, and learn. And so when we tell our story, it becomes that glue. So you're kind of a magician because you're helping some of us, they're a little more left-brained, a little more in the science and, and nope, I just want to run a medical business, but story has to come through. So yeah. what would you say if you could, you know, give us an idea, like, what would it be like story mapping? How would you do some disruptive story mapping? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So, um, basically what, what, one of the things that we do is we try to help build uh, a narrative framework for organizations, our, our practices, or or agencies as a whole. So narrative, you know, again, influences big C culture, influences mm-hmm. lowercase c culture. And, uh, you know, a, a shared team um, with a unified vision that's narrativized so that everybody's on the same page and everybody can tell the story is going to, you know, move a lot farther, a lot faster together than, you know, when you have... Everybody's sort of bought into what we're kind of doing and all together and da da da. Right, like an abstract, like we're here to change the world. It's like exactly. Well, and even what I would say, what usually passes as vision statements are, you know, because that's that's they're they're not narrativized. They're not, you know, they may be aspirational and compelling, but they certainly right. aren't something that like, you know, everybody on your team can articulate. Yes. So can you walk me through, how would you do that? How would you like, can, is that an exercise we could even do? Could you change, change the world? Tell me like, what, how would you rewrite that as a narrative? Well, yes. So, so I would, I would say, what I would say is the, the starting point for that is disruptive, disruptive storytelling and disruptive story mapping. So the, the first thing that we would want to do and, and, you know, one of the things too, and this this is important for like, you know, as far as the coaching services that I provide or, you know, um, a lot of the work that we do, a lot of times people just want to get the disruptive story map done, boom, checks that box, and they're good with that. They don't necessarily need to, to graduate all the way up to like a narrative frame. Right, right, right. Right. Um, so what, what story mapping does is we we try to determine who are your core audiences, right? 
Um, and, and I don't, this is, this is sort of one of the things that, you know, again, you and I have geeked out on is there's been a convergence, I believe, in content marketing, in behavioral or behavioral change, behavioral economics, and 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 yes. you know, and uh, you know and 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 you know gamification, storyfication, and health communications. So all of these things are are in the process of converging mm-hmm. to move us from sick care to healthcare. To move us from you know uh, uh, what I, I I at the same training that I just was was referring to earlier, I learned the term uh, saltogenesis. Um, and saltogenesis is in opposition to pathogenesis. Mm-hmm. So it was a game changer for me a couple of days ago, both for you know how how I view things because I've been practicing saltogenesis um, for you know for since since I launched Odd Duck. Um, so it was a game changer for my business to actually be able to articulate that, and it was a game changer for my Scrabble game because I mean that's <laughs> got to be worth a lot of points. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so so when when I talk about audiences. Um, for the disruptive story mapping, I, I want to focus in on two specific things. I want to focus in on primarily their intent, what their engagement is, and their behavior. Um, and what is unique about um, the way that we approach things uh, versus sort of the conventional marketing way is that we believe that personas and the traditional personas, you've, 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 you've been around the marketing space enough that I'm sure you've done some sort of persona exercise mm-hmm. or, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. To us, um, that's that a lot of that is 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 just based on stereotyping mm-hmm. and based on on shorthand and based on and so it doesn't get to the core of who your actual individual audience is and then even further what are the things that excite them that motivate them that uh, uh, entice them and what is what are the things that you need from them uh, to actually you know influence the outcome that you want to arrive at Ooh, uh, yes. So, yeah. So that's that's sort of what we do is is like an entire map, and so we can do like uh, a little bit of that exercise. It usually takes um, what 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 we do is we try to do um, identify four core audiences, and those audiences too. This is another piece that's a little unique, and that I haven't necessarily got my head around completely because I'm still um, there's a lot of shifts in the community engagement space, and a lot mm-hmm. of arguments that um, uh, audiences and um, community engagement, community partners are different um, and that that needs to be approached in a different way. I don't, I, I believe that the story mapping process, since it's really like a, a, an experiential journey, can be fit to both of those, those audiences, to those demographics. Um, but I, I, I haven't thought through all of that yet. So um, I just wanted to, that's, that's a caveat that I wanted to share with you and Love your audience. That. But in, in, in walking through this, what I think we can accomplish today, um, as far as the disruptive story mapping, is to kind of explore one audience out of your four core audiences, and maybe what your, what your messaging looks like now, and maybe some things that you would want to change or how we would go about changing those things. I love that because, see, this is the thing is, is we can learn from a lot of other industries you know, medicine, medical entrepreneurship, even if you're just an employed doctor and you're like, I'm just wanting to be creative and there's ways to use story. And one of the, you've recommended such great resources to me that I've geeked out about the books and reading (laughs) Esther Choi's Let the Story Do the Work and, and learning about how, of course, we're all heroes in a hero journey. We do little mini hero, like you said, like tinier narratives all day long. You know, we have bigger, longer 
arcs of narratives and, and heroes' journeys through seasons or years or chapters of our life. But the thing is, is we really want to empower people as a guide. I mean, we're really not right. the hero. We want to show that we're the guide, you know, we're we're not the star. We're more the evidence of, look, you're just like me. I'm like you and let me help you. So what would you say to somebody who goes, well, I don't really have a story. I don't think I have a story. Well, I, I, I feel everybody, everybody has a story. I agree. You know? I agree. Um, I, I firmly believe that. And I actually, there's a, a quote by Charles Bukowski um, in a poem where uh, he says, um, he writes, uh, um, as God said, crossing her legs, um, I see where I have made uh, many poets, but not so very much poetry. Um, and I think the reverse is true with story. So I see where I've made many stories, but not so many storytellers. But the good news is that that can be learned. It's not something yes. that's like, you know, um, just cut off. So, so where I would start with helping somebody to figure out what their disruptive story is, um, and how to actually articulate that uh, is is to actually find out. So, what what is the change that you're trying to make or you're trying to facilitate? That's that's a perfect starting point. The 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 stories themselves, um, you know, there's there's concrete building blocks to them, uh, and you know, usually how how we can kind of explore and play around with that is let's let's figure out. So one one of the concrete building blocks um, is movement, is a sense of movement. Yes. Um, I I'm I'm not a traditionalist in the sense that a story has to have you know a beginning, middle, and sure. end. And, Act one, two, and three, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I believe what what my takeaway is from Aristotle and from the Freytag's Pyramid and from all of those kind of story mapping things is that we the the, the takeaway there is we just need a sense of movement. Mm -hmm. So by virtue of being living, breathing beings, we have a sense of movement. You know, um, even yes. even if all we do is sit on on, on the couch and watch Netflix, which you know, <laughs> I, I think I would have a referral for you if that was if that was the case. <laughs> but even if that's all we do, there's still a sense of movement. There's a sense of movement in our thoughts. There's a sense of movement, yes. and so we want to capture that. So, in answer to your question, you know, I I, I had uh, one of my coaching clients was focused on, um, you know, sort of shifting uh, the way that we approach anxiety. Um, and, and part of his takeaway and part of his experience was that he had actually gone through the process himself. He had been, you know, uh, had generalized anxiety disorder. Um, he had had all sorts of experiences um, yes. with that. It had affected and impacted his relationships, his family and so on. And, you know, and so when, when, you know, we were kind of coaching, he would, he would be like, well, you know, I, I had this discovery, I figured out this process and then, you know, um, I practiced it with myself. I practiced it on others and I realized, okay, we're ready to go. And so, okay, well, you know, again, sense of movement. So that's great as a structure. That's great as a template, but there are specifics and specificity and, and actual descriptions that I want you to take me into so that I can fully immerse myself in that transition. Because Ooh. it's one thing to say, I made a, I made a discovery that this wasn't, you know, that, that how I was, you know, the traditional cognitive behavioral mm -hmm. um, therapeutic interventions that I was, you know, working with right. were working for me. And so I, I needed something more. And I, you know, started experimenting with other therapies and going to other, uh, you know, seeking treatment elsewhere. And then I found this and yep. said, oh, okay, I can apply this to my own life. Okay. So that's, that's sort of the template. But I said to him, okay, well, 
can you take me into that experience where you were like, oh, this isn't working. Ooh, I like that. So you're getting him to almost embody it, like embody exactly. what yes. happened and what felt it felt like. And yeah, okay, yes. I like that. In fact, that. It's, it's fun because I actually have a, a flow friend who does dancing and all sorts. And she and I have been working on embodiment stuff. And she thinks that there's all sorts of applications in narrativity. Oh, yes. So I, yes. I love the fact that you like honed in on that right away, but that's exactly it. So embody the story. And again, mm-hmm. you have to re experience that that flashback those those experiences so that you can bring your audience into that yes well wasn't it uh, uh, is i always say her name wrong but she's my favorite anais nin nin yeah yeah yeah, yeah. who said we write to taste life twice i mean that's exactly why you know you write stories or you want to tell your story because you're sort of reliving it but for a purpose and yes, and if we yes. if we just gloss over like the cliffs notes version like okay i found brain spotting or emdr my anxiety is better or i went to this other therapist and it's better but like that doesn't really land it, it hits differently than i could feel it in my yes, gut my yes. stomach started quivering and my mind became clearer and i felt like more rested and you know all these little things well, that and yes yeah that's exactly and and again with that sense of movement we want to be taken into a scene so that we can experience that through you you are you are the the narrator you yes. are the protagonist but ultimately you're an avatar for me as your audience maybe preferably ideally as your anxious audience who's yes. looking for help who's seeking help and i'm going to be drawn into your story and if oh, if that story involves this is you cool. know what <laughs> thank you thank you uh, if that story involves you know like i i literally you know i had collapsed on the bathroom floor and i was yes. in the fetal position and i was feeling it and yes. i knew everything that i was doing in treatment wasn't working wasn't helping that oh, wasn't it that is and way I more needed compelling. a change yeah that's it yes yes so and like so, you're you're oh sorry i go no, ahead no go, go ahead this, <laughs> this yes, is our yes, conversation this is <laughs> but like this is like this is like an m night Shyamalan twist because <laughs> because we're taught or i shouldn't say but the global narrative that we get as entrepreneurs is you're looking for the patient avatar you're looking for this you're you're speaking to them there but like what you're saying is the m night Shyamalan we're the avatar and the more yes. we talk about our experience, we don't have to do much other than just the honeys co- or the bees come to the honey. And it's like, yes. here we are. I can speak your language. It's almost like they look at you like you're reading their mind, you know? And, yes. and that's the, the part, which is so hard for us in medicine. We're trained to have the poker face. We're trained to not be vulnerable. We're trained to fake it till you make it to say, you're bleeding out in my ER room, but don't worry, I got control. You're okay. You know? And so that's the burnout. I mean, this is where our clinicians are realizing you can't fake it till you make it all the time. It's okay to be vulnerable. So do you have any, like in case of emergency break glass tips that you can help people slowly tread into that vulnerability space of telling their story? Any like little. Yes. So, so the first thing I'll say is I I'm so excited. Like that was awesome. (laughs) That was was the perfect setup. So that was awesome. And, 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 and I, I, I just feel like, I feel like uh, it circles back to like that first question you asked about the vulnerability and about the, you know, susceptibility. So the first thing that I'll say is it has to be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Like not all of us have experienced you know, all the things that we're going to encounter that you're going to encounter in your practice that some of your, your viewers and and, and listeners are going to encounter, but there are universals. There are authentic things where we, you know, we all have, you know, like 
we're all physical beings. We all have like, you know, human experiences. And so that's, that's exactly it is, is the, the first thing is just to acknowledge that piece, you know, and just to, just to acknowledge that piece. And there, there may be, this is, this is the, the piece of that dance, right. You know, not, not um, Ildico, which I was talking about earlier, my other flow friend, friend. Um, not, not that kind of dance, but, uh, but, you know, the dance between the tensions between, you know, Am I sharing? What am I sharing? Am I sharing enough or am I sharing too yeah. much? And, and where do I? So the, the first thing is when, when you're identifying it, you know, really focus first on your origin story, mm-hmm. on, you know, uh, the, 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 the work that you've done, you know, to get there and, and kind of the breakthrough moments, you know, the, the pivots that you had in doing that. So I would say even take it out of the space of trying to be an avatar. Oh, I love that. Thank you. No, I like that you just said that. Yeah, like just focus on, yes, you know, sometimes because again, you it's like it's like you almost know doctors' brains because <laughs> we tend to say, Oh, I want to do it all. Okay, I'll do it all. I'll I'll think of it all. And I like how you're like, no, let's just take it down, little baby steps. How about you focus on your journey? What were the breakthroughs? Let's start there, you know? Yeah. yeah so is this like a free exactly writing it. thing you would recommend that they just sort of free write? I would absolutely. I would absolutely so the, the first thing I I I I wouldn't say that I I but I I've worked with a lot, a lot of doctors. I've worked with a lot. God bless like, you. <laughs> and I and I've done this and I've done the, the coaching thing um with with a lot of a lot of you know um in fact my my origin story I actually discovered kind of the value and the and the importance of story working with uh uh infectious disease specialist and a wow. medical physician who was formerly with the World Health Organization and I was his direct report and uh he was always like I was always like I think we need more of a story here and he was like no 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 people read the New York Times for the data for the graphs and I was like I don't know that that's true don't know that that's true. Right. So, um, <laughs> so I've spent a lot of time in that space and I, but I appreciate and, uh, accept that, that yes. compliment and thank you. Um, so yeah, so the first thing is as far as, as arriving at your own story, I think that's exactly right. Um, one of the exercises that we do back, back in the olden times when people would get together and gather in person, um, and and not everything was virtual. And I, I feel like we're heading back there, so that's yes. good. But one of the exercises that we would do is we would actually set up the room as as a almost a stage, right? Um, and we would have sort of, if you picture like a, a timeline um, going from from birth to present day, um, from like let's say north the north wall to the south wall. Mm-hmm. And then east to west, we would have that be ge- geographic. So if you you went to school, you know, in on the coast, on either of the coasts, um, and, but you now, for example, you, with you live in the Midwest, yes. okay, you know, like like where is that on the on the plot on the graph, okay? And so then you're going to create. We're literally going to create a physical live action graph right there in the room. And so I get everybody to get on their feet, um, kind of shake out and, and wiggle out things and then plot themselves. And, and with, you know, with researchers, with, with academics, it's like, okay, well, where was the moment that you decided you wanted to practice medicine? Let's plot that. And so oh, you cool. stand in that place. And this goes back to your embodiment, right? This goes back to the thing you've ho- focused in on. Stand in that place. We want to plot it geographically. So, okay, I was, I, I was, let's say I was eight years old um, and, you know, I saw somebody, you know, uh, uh, you know, somebody intervened on an accident and I thought, oh, that's it. That's my calling. This is it. I want to, I want to go into trauma medicine. So 
you know, you, you yes. plot there and you're geographically at the, the time of being eight and you're physically at this, like, you know, the crossroads where you saw this accident. Okay. So now I'm going to tease out details, share with the room, share with the group. And, and, and in these instances, going back again to vulnerability, this is a space of peers. So at this point, we're not running the risk of making ourselves completely vulnerable to the patient right. or disrupting that dynamic at, at this point. So again, baby steps going back to like, let's do things incrementally. So I'm going to have you stand in that place. And again, everybody ends up being spread all over the room. Some people are in California. Some people are in Bulgaria. And, and each one of them is going to take a turn sharing that one snippet of their story. That may not be the wow. story that we arrive at that right. ends up on your about page, but it's definitely a starting point. It's an origin story. Wow. Oh, that, and, I just and, have to pause. That's brilliant. Keep going. I'm just saying that's you. brilliant. <laughs> thank it's you. so fun. And so, so fun. that's that's what we do. So like what what I would say, you know, if 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 you know in virtual space, I do do it as a free writing exercise. There are free writing exercises in the workshops that I run um, that are built off of that. So like a lot of times, I'll, what what we end up doing in in that plotting exercise, you know, is is I try to keep it minimal, so no more than like ten to twelve folks. Um, participating. Sure. Right. Uh, we get all of those stories, but then, you know, we, we'll plot probably about two or three stories. So, wow. You know, so it makes sense. Like you'd ask, like, when did you want to be a doctor? And then I'm assuming probably questions like maybe when were you burned out? What age were you burned out? Is it usually yes. an age related thing? Is it like a birth to time to death or birth to current? <laughs> well, not death yet. yeah, no, I know. I've made that mistake. I've actually made that mistake in trainings. I'm like, okay, this wall is going to be birth. This wall's death. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no one wants to touch no, that wall. No. <laughs> no, yeah, everybody stays there. Yeah, so yeah, so I um in answer to your question, yes. Like um, and and basically uh again, that's going back to trying to establish a sense yeah. of movement. So we yeah. want to have we want to have whatever passes for our beginning, our origin, you know, um, oh. and then a sense of movement. And and where we actually plot that may not be the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the beginning may, you know, may have occurred e even more than that. And you want to build up to that moment. And so then that's what we, we end up establishing as, as the story. So that's, that, that's one, one that. exercise that I do in person, the exercise that I do kind of virtual, or if it's one-on-one, -on -one, cause it would be silly if you and I were working together and it was just the two of us. And I was like, okay, now I want you to stand <laughs> over here. Now I want you to stand right. over here. <laughs> like, so what I would probably do is it would be more of like an interview format. Mm -hmm. um, I would ask very open-ended questions. Um, and then I would just try to tease out different things. And a lot of times what the, the story that we're expressing or, or sharing, we don't even recognize as a story. It's just right. part of the tapestry of who we are. But until somebody asks that question, you know, mm -hmm. we're like, oh no. So then this happened, this happened. And like, you know, a, a lot of times when I'm in the, the listening space, I'll hear something. I'll be like, "Whoa, what? Yes. <laughs> like, let's focus in on that. Th th tell, tell me more about th that. Is fascinating. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Right. You know? And so then you you want to. That's where you want to kind of tease things out and, and elaborate and start adding those details and those things to really bring that scene alive. And sometimes, so so in those interview formats, what we would do is the same kind of exercise that we would do physically with a with a larger group, but we're going to do it more verbally um, back and forth. And we're going to plot a few points. And then those points, the anywhere between like two to four points, we're going to map out um, and, you know, kind of write I or free write that. sections to, yeah. And then that becomes, hey, that becomes your about page. It becomes your, all of your awesome. messaging. It becomes everything. 
And you know, what you're touching on is not only gold and just the fun, creative way that you've done this and adapted it, you know, virtually and, and asking questions, but this also speaks to just why it's important to have a coach or a mentor period. Like no matter who you are, you're always going to have people that have done something sooner or faster, or maybe more efficient than you, or just know more. So ask their help, like hire them or work with them. And that's why, you know, flow research collective is amazing because we're meeting all these people around the world and learning to level up because you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. (laughs) And we learn from each other and, and a mentor or a coaching relationship is able to just so make you go faster in that timeline to yeah. get to where you need to go. Cause like you're going to hear things in your trained mind way different than just me listening to a cool story. I mean, you're going to be able to pick out and really help that person focus in on that key pivotal element, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so I just think that, that just speaks in general for anybody looking for extra help. There's like Mr. Rogers always said, there's helpers out there. You just have to look That's and right. it's important to have your little deck of cards of, of mentors and coaches that can help you with certain parts of where you want to move. Cause it is about movement. Yes. Um, what would you say if you could, do you have a favorite question that you love asking that gets them Ooh. plotted on the graph or that gets them talking? Ooh. Do you have a standard little Josh trademarked question that you're like, Oh, I just love asking this question. Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll say the, the first thing I want to say is, is like, like, and this is one of the things you and I bonded over and geeked out over is that like, I'm a coach junkie as well. Like I totally. have my clients that I love coaching, but like, I, I love being coached and Same. absorbing and, and, and it's that growth it's, mindset, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is to me, it's like, well, You know, you could read 10 books or 15 books on a subject. Great. Or you can tap into somebody who has those 15 to 20 to 25 books of knowledge in their head, learn from them directly. And then they're they're your peripheral brain. It's like you just download. Exactly. Just outsource that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally on the same page and I love that. So thank you for that. Yeah. Shout out. uh, Much love to coaches everywhere. Yes, Absolutely. Um, but the second thing that I like that in answer to your uh, to to your question specifically, favorite question. So, I, I in the interview format, I like to take a more subtle approach, mm-hmm. building up to the M Night Shyamalan. I'm spoiling it for your audience, <laughs> but um, what where, where, what I like to do is really just start with asking about about tell me about your practice, tell me about your research. Tell me, tell me what interests you. Why did you get into medicine in the first place? Ooh, you know, why did you, you are like into... a spider. You're like a spider with a little, like, <laughs> you've got your little web slingers and you're like, okay, I'm going to listen. So you must be into the whole NLP, the neuro-linguistic, like you're like watching the words and listening to the words that they're saying. I very, Oh, very much. Because the thing is, um, and this is one of the things that I got out of um, NLP stuff, people speak in metaphors all the time. Absolutely. It's we, so fun. We have our, oh, absolutely. But we don't even, this is, goes back to those unconscious components. We don't even realize we're speaking in it. I I had a a psychiatric nurse who I was coaching um, and doing media coaching for Mm -hmm. who said, who called me the story whisperer um, because of exactly that. Like, she's like, I didn't even realize I was telling a story until um, you you know, identified it for me. So I I I love this. You are. Yeah. You're like, it's fun though. It's okay. Keep going. So yeah, you start, you let them subtly tell you. But, and that's, but the thing is that that goes past those like, you know, the unconscious barriers that we set Mm -hmm. up, you know, so that we're not vulnerable and everybody has them. Again, that's, that's another reason why it helps to have a coach. That's another reason. And we tend to not think of 
our, our, we, we narrativize our lives for ourselves, but we also compartmentalize those narratives. So we don't, tr- we, we just by virtue of existing, don't have a through line unless we actually do the, the heavy lifting, the work no, to sit down and you're say, right. I, I mean, we identify a through line. Yes. Because we put our own perspective on there. We color it with our own lens and we have a lot of, you know, all of us have cognitive biases and mindsets that we're, it's just human. We're all human walking in a meat skeleton, you know? And, <laughs> and so like, it takes that third person to look at it in that trained way and like kind of tease out things that can make it so much faster. And that's the magic that like you, we're so similar. I love being in that coaching space and mentoring space with a client because that is so magical to just be able to rapid fire, let them just brainstorm. And I, in together, you create the synergy. And at the end of that hour, they're like, Oh my God, how did that happen? And all it is, is that you're letting them do their thing, but you're trained to kind of pick apart and dissect out the the necessary elements. And you've saved them like years of reading all the Esther Choi books and all the Donald Miller story brand books and all the, you know, absolutely. Like, absolutely. That, that's the fun part. And I just love that you use a lot of that neuroscience, you know, in, in what you do. And, and so what you do is you can help them find that authentic story so they can put it on their their web page but see it That's goes right. beyond that i mean like it that can become does. their keynote that can become so tell me more about how else people can use the story well, that's so going back to like the the when when we finish a narrative framework, for example, that gives you everything that you need for you know um, uh, you know what your web content should look like, what mm-hmm. you know what your what your your uh, elevator pitch looks like for you personally um how to how to kind of shorthand like again what information is is relevant what information is too much what information is 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 off topic mm-hmm. and it helps to have an outside voice sculpting that i spent a lot of time i actually came up and spent a lot of time ghostwriting again for doctors ah. um and that's how i learned a lot of a lot of this stuff and i was like oh there's there's applications beyond just writing a book mm. or just writing an article there's applications for you know coaching folks to be able to share and own identify own and share their stories and share their stories strategically for some sort of outcome right oh, i love that um but a lot of this came from just uh, you know, like like ghostwriting and and kind of teasing stories out of some of the docs that I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I but I would say uh, you know the end result should be that you have a, a script that you can apply to um, anything anything you want really to articulate your story. So your website, your you know um, uh, you know your 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 you know, keynote speech. If you wanted to start elaborating on a book, this actually happened with one of the docs that I work with, a social psychologist. Um, you know, he and I were working together. I was ghostwriting some some articles for him and, and helping kind of tease that out. And he was like, you know, I think there might be a book here. And, you know, and so we we essentially kind of shifted gears and I became, this was, he was actually one of my first coaching clients. This is a few years back. Uh, he was actually one of my first coaching clients because he went from just a, a, a you know, ghostwriting client where I was, you know, kind of churning out content for him um, to somebody who is like, okay, well, teach me how to actually do that so I can construct. And, you know, and he's working on a, 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 an actual proposal to, you know, pitch his book now. Um, but that all came from that work together. 
That's uh, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, and it is, it's applicable, which is funny to hear you talk about all the things you do because it's like everywhere, but that's because story is everywhere. You know, that's right. Um, that's right. it's in, it's in copywriting, it's in media, it's in, you know, book deals, it's in speaking, it's in websites. It's, it's kind of infused everywhere. So I have to ask, how did you get, how did you settle on the name odd duck? Ah, well, you've met me. So. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> There's gotta be a story, right? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, it's like, uh, a large part of me going out on my own and doing my own thing and, and stuff was, was just because, you know, I, I, I have, um, the, the psychiatrist who diagnosed me, diagnosed me with, um, attention deficit with extreme hyperactivity disorder. And I was like, is that a new diagnosis? Cause I've never heard the extreme part. <laughs> right. Um, it's got the asterisks and just your name, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, well, you're unique. It's an N of one. Um, so yeah. So like, uh, I, you know, and, Growing up with ADD, um, you're you're often uh, a square peg in a round hole, sure, right. um, and you know it's it's often pushed back. And I, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I was doing. First of all, Grenowitz doesn't look good on a marquee, so I was like, if I if I launch an organization, an agency. You know, people are going to be like, get me the green yum 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 dog. Yes, right. Um, and I, I didn't want that. That was enough grade school trauma. So I'm like, okay, well, part of this is me just leaning into the the trauma and the I experience of, you know, being, you know, the odd person out. And I was like, yes. hmm, maybe there's something there. Oh, odd duck. And so there you have it. So that's. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's perfectly a perfect example of being vulnerable and of just being like, yeah, this is, this is who I am right? It's authentic. Yeah. It's you. And, and yeah, you do a little bit of everything, which I can completely understand and appreciate. I, I imagine you can. <laughs> you know, that's the hard part is you deal with a lot of friends and colleagues and people that I love working with. And they're all like, yeah, I like to do it all. So do I, but there's some kind of way we hone it down and story is huge to anchor that, yeah. you know, to, and then it becomes a great sort of a litmus test to filter your decisions through like, does this align with my story? You know, cause you like, I'm sure you feel you could say yes to a lot of projects and yes to a lot of things. Cause life is exciting and yeah, you get all the yeah. dopamine going off in our brains, but then you look back and anchor it to your story. Okay. Does this really align with the narrative of my story? And, you know, maybe allowing just a few extra odd duck projects, but not making it all scattered. Cause then it's an inefficient use of your whole mission, you right. know? Well, yeah. when, when I started, and this part of this was just, you know, default as, as you know, um, needing to, but I it was like, I was working with, you know, a politician, I was working with um, a, a hip hop label, I was working with um, a, a, a mental health facility. And so like, I was just, you know, it, like, like you just said, you know, taking all comers, like, you know, yes. it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to work that. And part of that was financially driven, but part of sure. that was like, I hadn't done the work to really define what my niche was going to be mm -hmm. and what I was going to, what, what I was going to provide. So it was like, I was kind of like a, a marketing generalist who was doing all of these things. But I realized that the, the, the w places that I could make the most impact were working in the health field um, and working in specifically um, with, with, you know, um, folks who were trying to figure this stuff out and were having a, a challenging time. And the, and, you know, some of my favorite, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, again, one of the things that you and I geeked out about, but, you know, I, I, I said, when I launched, you know, I was writing out like the things that I wanted and I said, I, I wanted to 
you know, do cool shit with cool people, period. So that was like my base. I love that. That was my starting point. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's that's an excellent, you know, that, <laughs> life is too short. Life is too short to exactly. do, you know, let's exactly. make it as cool as and fun as possible as much as we can. So, and, okay, I want to be cognizant of your time. I know yeah. that you've been so generous, but yeah. I have one final question, two, sure. two final questions. First, what, is, what would you say if you could, I know this is probably hard, what would be the biggest mistake you see if people are trying to tell their story, is there anything that, and I know that's a hard question, but like, just pick one that you're like, Oh, I see this a lot. And this is a big mistake. Yeah. Um, I actually think, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about, um, uh, people, you know, kind of overcoming that vulnerability, but a lot of the mistake that I see more often is people overriding. So sharing everything, it's like, oh, well, I need, I need something that, you know, like uh, expresses, you know, my humanity. So I like, uh, you know, I like horseback riding and I need something that, um, you know, and I'm, you know, uh, a husband and a father. Okay. So I'm going to put that in. And so it's like, yep. you know, every they, it's like sort of like, you know, kind of what we were just talking about, but you want, you want to put everything in the kitchen sink and like narr- narratively, that's not gonna, that's not gonna hold. <laughs> You know, so, so it's going through and, you know, finding the, the pruning, you know, the, the, the adage in, you know, creative writing, like in, in in grad school and creative writing workshops, it's kill your darlings. Right. So like you're, 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 you tell more with, with less. And so it's helping train people to be able to do that, to do that piece. (laughs) That is a hard job. I mean, wasn't it Mark Twain that said, if I had more time, I'd write a shorter letter? Yes, yeah. yes. Well, I think and, that's been, I mean, everything gets attributed to Mark Twain. And I think, uh, I think that quote is- Or Confucius, who knows? But I, I, yeah, but I, 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 same sentiment, exactly. Same yeah, sentiment. but it's true. Yeah. And, and as, a, as a fellow word vomiter, I tend to just ramble <laughs> and half-bake all my stuff. And eventually I'll get to my point, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. but that's the hard part. We need a muffler for our thoughts and our that's ideas right. just to kind of give us that's that. Right. Like you said, that's so powerful to say less but have it said in the right way that lands with just the right people that you want to work with. And, and that's been really, you've been really helpful, Josh. I mean, like this whole conversation, I'm definitely going to put your contact information in our Rolodex for all our creative medical professionals, no matter where they're at, whether they just graduated residency or they're, you know, on the other end of the spectrum and they're like, I just want to revamp my career. I mean, you're a guy that can help them tease out that compelling story that can just launch them into having an easier time of figuring out where to go because it starts yeah, with that anchor you. um so thank you for that and i do have one last question what sure, are you obsessed sure. with lately what's what's like what are you obsessed oh, with? lately um lately uh so um I, I i shared earlier the salto genesis yes um and so that was that's that's fresh from the press so that's ripped from the headlines because nice. that's a term i just learned this week so now that i have that research term and you know the um uh, Doc, who introduced me to that in, in her presentation, um, you know, she shared a whole bunch of uh, academic journals. So I'm I'm reading a lot of articles just to kind of get my head around that. And that's um, fun. so that's that's one thing that I'm. I love that. It's also Genesis. That's good. I'm going to look that up too. That's a term I had not used and I love words. I'll send you some articles. Actually. Yeah, do it. It's yeah, more yeah, fodder, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's been so fun. I know we're going to connect soon when I'm in Chicago yes, area and yes, I, can't I can't wait. wait. Um, so thank you again for your time. And if anybody needs to get a hold of you, I'll make sure they have your, your contact and thank you for awesome. all you do for healthcare and all of our stories. You're like the master master story curator so thank you josh and ditto and thank thank you for 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 hosting me and sharing you know me with your platform and thank thank 
all of your listeners and followers. Absolutely, yes. We're all we're all creativity catalysts, and yes. and you know, kind of, we need all these people to light our fires. So thank you for lighting all of us and and helping us <laughs> with our day. And I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. Yes, awesome. All right, bye everybody.